Hi everyone, and welcome to episode 15 of the Modern Z podcast. In case you're new, the Modern Z is a blog and podcast channel dedicated to providing Generation Z individuals, that is those born in or after 1997, with a platform to share ideas, stories, and experiences. With each episode, I discuss a new topic and seek students from around the world to share their thoughts and have a discussion that inspires and resonates with the audiences. The Modern Z's content is published in the form of a podcast, as well as a blog post, giving you the choice to either listen or read, whatever you prefer. For more information, head over to www.themodernz.com. I'll also be linking the website as well as a blog post in the show notes below, along with our social media handles for you to have a look. That said, let's get into today's topic. The first time I was introduced to this idea of Gen Zs, Millennials, uh, Boomers, and these various segmentations of people and generations was in 2018, where I had to choose a topic for a group presentation for a human resource management course. Amongst the many different contemporary issues in HRM, the differences in generations was something I was particularly interested in. And to find out more about what, about whether these people had anything substantially different other than the classification itself of being millennial and Gen X. Whilst our presentation primarily focused on the characteristics of these generations, their preferred method of work and how organizations can best utilize each of their skills, the interest in the general topic remained and I wanted to find out more about how much truth there really was to stereotypes the people typically attached to these generations. Like Gen Z's prefer to work alone, love technology, are entitled, etc. <laughs> every year, every university around the world introduces a batch of fresh new graduates waiting to leave the bounds of a classroom and a campus to begin pursuing their dreams. Some choose to work for a private company, some choose to pursue their own venture, and some even choose to take some time off, and some are still deciding. Regardless of where you, me, or any of us are in our journey, knowing a little bit about what goes on inside an organization can be quite helpful. We may find that all the expectations we have about a certain job or a company may in fact be far from the truth. Either way, having insight from someone who has been in and out of the corporate world definitely trumps the notorious stereotypes found on the internet. That's where I'd like to welcome my guest for today. She worked as a longtime marketing executive with a large national bank before becoming a full-time coach and entrepreneur in 2017. She has coached a number of high-earning salespeople throughout her career and works with high-achieving business owners and corporates to help them increase the overlap between professional success and personal happiness. She is also the author of the book titled Winning the Game of Work, Career Happiness and Success on Your Own Terms, and is the host of the podcast called Marketing Mambo. I'm pleased to welcome Terry McDougall. Terry, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining in. Akash, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Likewise, my pleasure. So... Um, let's start off by talking about your experience. So you you worked as a marketing executive at a large national bank before becoming a full-time career coach. What's the mm-hmm. what's the story behind that? Run us through. Oh my gosh. It's, <laughs> I wish it was like really like quick and easy to tell, but um, We've got you know, time, yeah. <laughs> it's it's funny because people have asked me this a lot, like how mm-hmm. do you know how'd you make this transition? Yeah. Um it, you know, it really started many decades ago. Uh, I'm the oldest of four girls, and I think that I just always was sort of a natural helper and coach. You know, being the oldest of of four, I was always, you know, learning things first and teaching my siblings, and that was something that I did in school, too. If I was able to master a concept that was being taught and and one of my classmates was having um, struggles, I would, you know, try to help them. And even when I got out of college, I would help people with their resumes. And, you know, if I mastered something, it was fun for me to help other people 
to, you know, come along on the journey. And um, so when I got out of college, I, I eventually, like, within the first couple of years, I decided that I wanted to work in marketing. And I had a long career, you know, 30 years working in marketing. And um, the bulk of that was in banking, but I worked in some other industries, too. I was always very ambitious about moving up in my career, um, but I didn't always find that the path forward was very obvious. And uh, I read a lot of books. I tried to observe what was going on around me with people that were getting promoted, but it's not always obvious. And there's actually a lot of, um, you know, rules, the rules of the game. That's why I called my book, you know, Winning the Game of Work. A lot of rules that people don't tell you, they're unwritten, they're often counter uh, intuitive. Mm-hmm. Um, I hired coaches a couple times in my career and, and at one point in particular really helped me, you know, elevate myself to be ready for that next level work. So, you know, I knew about coaching. I knew that coaching really worked. Um, I also had, you know, felt the pain of struggle when you, you know, are working hard and you're wanting to get ahead and you're not able to get there as quickly as you'd like. Yeah. Um, so, um, sorry, my dog is whining out the window. <laughs> That's all right good. Now, if you hear, hear that in the background. Um, I, uh, in the, I, the last job I had, I was, I was at that company for 12 years and I had four different positions in mm. the 12 years I was there. The last role that I had was not one that I applied for. It wasn't one that I I even really wanted, but my boss wanted me to be in it. Yeah. Um, part of the reason I didn't want it is because I didn't think it would be a good fit. It really wasn't a good fit. And so I wasn't super happy. It, it really got me thinking, what's next for me? Mm-hmm. And I was interviewing at other companies. And even though these were like the next logical step up for me, I wasn't finding that I was super excited about the opportunities that I was being presented. So it really had me do a little bit of soul searching. And I I asked myself, Terry, what are you good at? And what do you like to do? And as a marketing leader, I always thought that it made sense. I mean, kind of goes back to me as a kid, right? I thought it always made sense to help other people to grow. And I enjoyed doing that. I'd always done a lot of coaching and mentoring with my own staffs, and I'd gotten feedback. I was good at it. My teams had higher than average employee engagement scores, so the evidence was that I was good at it, and I loved to do it. So um, just in, in networking, I met somebody who had gone through a highly acclaimed uh, coach training program, and I decided to do that myself. I, I mean, it was it was kind of scary to say I'm going to leave this corporate job and I'm going to go out and get trained as a professional coach. But I figured that I could use the 30 years that I had in the corporate world. I mean, I knew what a lot of the challenges were, a lot of the issues. I struggled with a lot of them myself. Yeah. And I thought that I could, you know, get trained to help people meet those challenges and, you know, really step fully into their potential. So that's what I decided to do in 2017. And, uh, you know, here I am, you know, four plus years later and uh, really, really loving it, feeling, you know, getting to work with lots of smart people, you know, people sometimes who are, um, you know, really yearning to 
to move forward. And sometimes they're just held up by pretty small stumbling blocks. And if I can help them remove those so that they can move forward with more ease and get more in the flow and really step fully into their potential, um, honestly, there's just nothing better. (laughs) Yeah. So you found the inclination uh, to help people from a very young age and that kind of transformed to become a career coach. Um, we see yeah. we see online um, the motivational speakers, the career coaches, the TED talkers, and we and we think, uh, what's the step behind becoming one of those? Like, how do you start? So I want to ask you, like, what was the actual transition like? So was it as simple as you left one day at the job and then you started the next? How did you start becoming the career no. coach? Like. <laughs> No, it wasn't. And it's, it's scary. Mm -hmm. You know, if you've been doing something for a long time and I was the primary breadwinner in my family, I have three children married. Um, and I, uh, it was really hard to, to make that transition to start thinking about betting on myself Mm -hmm. and walking away from getting a, you know, a paycheck deposited automatically every two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I showed up for work, I got that money in my, and that's not how it is when you have your own business. Um, it was gradual. Um, I was in a position that, you know, when I was, it was like a couple of years that I was sort of struggling with that job that I didn't like. And I eventually just decided to leave the company. I did not have another job. I started off doing marketing consulting. And uh, at first I thought, oh, I can just do this, right? I can have like hang up a shingle and be a marketing consultant. But honestly, you know, in the work that I was doing, I did not find it really satisfying. Mm -hmm. I found that there was some, some of the things that I had sort of outgrown in the corporate world were the same, you know, doing marketing as a consultant. And in some ways it was even more frustrating because at least when you work in a company, you have a little bit of clout because you're an employee and, you know, I had influence in the organization that when you're a consultant, your clients have, a, you know, most of the power, yeah. right? Um, and, you know, sometimes they weren't, you know, responding or giving me the things that I needed to to finish the projects and that kind of thing. So I, I tried that on for size. And um, I at first thought, okay, I'll just do this coach training program. It was a six month program, pretty intensive. Um, and I thought, I'll just, I'll get another job and I'll just do the coach training. And when I get the other job, I'll use those skills in my job. I'll, uh, maybe I'll have a couple of clients on the side And when I get closer to retirement, you know, maybe this will be sort of my like off ramp from the corporate world. But as I was going through the training program, there were uh, about 40 other people that were going through as a cohort with me. And many of them either already had their own businesses or were planning on starting their own businesses. And I guess what I would say is that that uh, entrepreneurial spirit can be contagious, Mm. you know? And I thought, okay, if these folks are doing it, why not? You know, I I can do it too. And um, it's scary, you know, it it is scary. It's, um, I've used this analogy of, you know, being in a a skydiving plane and standing there in the the open door, looking out and and really wanting to make the leap, but being kind of scared, right? Because you're sort of, on this nice solid airplane, yeah. right? Um, and I, I was fearful that if I took the leap that I would just go splat right on the tarmac. Um, but 
I took the leap. And the thing that I've realized is that you have a lot of room to maneuver and there's a lot of, there's a lot of different things that you can do to make your business work. Right. I mean, I, I have my own business, but I'm affiliated with a couple of other companies that send me clients and, you know, there's a lot of different paths that you can take to make things work. And it really is about persistence and consistency and, you know, things don't happen as quickly as you would like them to, but it's, it's, I've never, I've never stopped trying and, um, seeds that I planted even years ago, it's surprising sometimes how things will blossom years later. I mean, I've had people that, you know, I talked to about possibly working together and then they decided they didn't want to. And then, you know, two years later, they'll call me and say, Oh, I'm ready now. You know, and, um, or, you know, maybe a networking event I went to or, I, you know, I work with someone and then they, I actually, I talked to somebody, um, a couple years ago and she decided not to work with me, but she got in touch a few months ago and she said, my husband needs a coach. And I, um, why don't you chat with him? Right. So it's, it's really nice about how, like all the effort that you put in, uh, in the past, it makes things easier for me now. Right. It's an investment. For sure. Yeah. It's, it's, I can't imagine how scary it would be because working in a company in for so long as as you did, you have you have a specific task that you know you have to do every day when you go to work. Yeah, you have responsibility. Mm-hmm. You're overlooking a few people, but then letting that go and becoming starting your own business where you're not sure what is going to come your way, especially something yeah. like a career coach where you can be dealing with people from so many different industries, different backgrounds, different goals, and mm-hmm. you're just starting off new. It's it's there's a lot of exploration I would assume that you just go and see what works and use whatever you can to help them. I think um, having experience in marketing might help in that uh, know, yeah. knowing knowing what what works what doesn't work because I think customers regardless of which company which industry have a lot in similar with each other and there's a lot we can play around with, um, which I wanted to ask you about. So you mentioned you. You worked uh, for the company that you were in for 12 years and you were across mm-hmm. four different positions. Mm-hmm. Um, like Nowadays, I've seen online and e- even in person that, and even when I speak to people that sometimes organizations struggle just as much with retaining good employees versus recruiting good employees. In industries mm-hmm. such as consulting, for example, I've noticed that many of the senior consultants and partners have often worked in various companies prior to the one they're currently at. Mm-hmm. For example, um, for example, a senior partner at Deloitte might have been a consultant at EY or a manager at PwC. Sure. And yeah. th- this goes beyond consulting as well. But the question in my mind is that is it really becoming difficult for companies to retain good employees and help them grow in their own firms? Or have employees just started to realize they're better off working for two to three years at one place before jumping ship to another? Um there might be something that I'm missing here, but I want to know because yeah. like a lot of us, we think of, you know, applying for a company and then looking at our career advancing with them, but something. Well, I mean, happen. I think that what has happened over, you know, say the last 20 or 25 years with, um, you know, the, the, um, ability to look online for jobs, yep. like there's, there's a lot more transparency about what roles are available. Um, 
you know, things are, are moving quickly. There's a lot more flexibility than there used to be. I mean, it used to be, um, you know, my dad is a great example that he went to work for a company when he was 22 and he ended up retiring from, he took an early retirement buyout, but he yeah. ended up retiring from there when he was in his fifties. That was the only company he ever worked for in his whole career. Um, you know, I think in some industries you might see that. I mean, certainly when I worked in banking, banking and insurance, some of like the older, more mature um, businesses, a lot of times there are kind of employees that will just go to work there for a long time. But I think the biggest impact has been, you know, in business, things are changing and evolving much more rapidly than they used to be. Mm-hmm. You know, so the needs of the businesses are changing more quickly, but also uh, employees have more opportunities yeah. to, you know, see what's out there. Um, you know, you look at LinkedIn or, you know, you sign up for these emails and you get job alerts, right? You might not even be looking for a job, but you're getting interesting looking opportunities coming through your email box, yeah. right? Um, so I think that there's that. But I also think that it used to be that if people change jobs too frequently, that um, they'd be sort of like branded as a job hopper, that they, mm-hmm. you know, that companies wouldn't want to hire them because um, they weren't going to stay. Yeah. But the attitude towards that has changed, right? Uh, and, and in fact, because the needs of a lot of companies have evolved and changed, they're not as loyal to their employees as they used to be either. I mean, we mm. see it pretty frequently where, you know, companies are doing big reorganizations or restructurings or they're doing big layoffs. And so I think people, in some ways, that kind of contract between company and employee has kind of been broken and that people are kind of like, you know, just do the best you can. Yeah. Um, And then one of the other things, and this is something that happened with me, is that sometimes companies outside of the one where you currently work may value your experience more than your current employer. Because I worked in another bank before my last employer for nine and a half years, and and I really grew a lot when I was there. And when I was ready for a management position, um, I... I was able to interview for it, but they actually decided to hire an external candidate rather than promote me. I I was already in the department. I had been kind of the right-hand person to the head of the department before he left. Yeah. So, I mean, I was kind of the heir heir apparent, but they uh, did not choose to promote me. Yeah. And so I actually... It's funny because the day I found out that I didn't get it, I got a, a call from a recruiter. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, sometimes I think fate intervenes. But sure. um, I ended up taking a job here with a company in Chicago that uh, that recruited me. And I, within a year, I had doubled my salary, mm. you know, and, and I know that they they admired the previous company that I worked for. And so I think they valued me more than my previous company did, Yeah. you know, and, and so I was able to bring a lot of best practices and insights into how one of their competitors did things. Um, and I think that a lot of companies, you know, when you were talking about Ernst and Young or, you know, McKinsey or whatever, like the different, um, um, uh, consulting firms, yeah. you know, sometimes 
they want somebody from one of their competitors because they want to get a little bit of an inside view of how they're doing things so that they can remain competitive. Right. Or perhaps there's not the advancement opportunities. So people, you know, they, they jump ship because they can make more money or they can get a you know title promotion or whatever. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, that That's something that I, th I think a lot of us students um, should think about when we're applying for jobs, especially mm -hmm. after we graduate. Knowing that it, even though it might be difficult to land something, it's a, it's a, it's important to find a company that values you just as much as you value them, just to make sure you're making the right decision for your career. Uh, mm -hmm. This is quite a stressful time after COVID, where many of the students who are graduating are struggling to find a job. I'm one of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it can be challenging when you you want to apply for a few companies and you don't get through successfully. Um, a lot of my People I know, I've seen uh, saying yes to jobs and offers out of desperation because they don't have a choice. Mm -hmm. And I understand where they're coming from. It's 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 a tough time. Everyone's circumstances are different, but in the long term, probably it, it may not end up well in terms of uh, being fulfilling, being a fulfilling job in the long term in terms mm -hmm. of how happy you are and how successful you can be at the company. Yeah. 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 I mean, I've seen, I've seen people, um, I mean, obviously every few years there's some kind of economic disruption, right? Yeah. Like the financial meltdown and, you know, 2008 to 2010 or so there were a lot of people coming out of university then that, you know, it's it a recession, right? Mm -hmm. And their companies weren't hiring. And in fact, they were laying off. And, you know, I've actually worked with people that, um, you know, were really desperate and they started off, you know, maybe in a temporary position that was an administrative position because they couldn't get anything else. And, you know, sometimes what can happen is that people get stuck in a, the person that I'm thinking of, she actually did such a great job that she was actually offered a full-time position and then she was able to move into more of a professional role out of the out of the administrative ranks but i've seen plenty of people you know just through circumstances kind of get stuck in a certain area or maybe they they take a job in a particular industry that's not of interest to them yeah. and then when they try to switch it can be difficult yeah have you had any experience coming across some graduates recently who have been this kind of a dilemma because i'm just thinking what what's What's the right course of action? What are the few things like students yeah. can do in this situation? I mean, I, I think the first thing to realize that is that people are getting hired, yeah. right? So it, it can be easy to look at sort of like the averages or the headlines and say, oh, nobody's getting hired, but people are getting hired. And um, I think that being creative about how you go about looking for a job is really important, um, meaning that and I, I mean, this is advice for anyone, not just new college graduates. Um, a lot of people will just go to the online job boards and they'll just apply for jobs, you know, nonstop there. And then they'll get frustrated when they don't make any traction. And that's the worst. That's the worst way to look for a job. Um, the, the best way to look for a job is through networking. Um, but I know, you know, Akashi and I were talking um, the other day before the podcast about the fact that you've done a couple of internships. Um, you know, I think internships, temporary assignments, um, even volunteering sometimes can help people get to know you yeah. so that they know that you're a good quality person, that you've got something to offer. Um, because the thing that to, to realize is that companies don't hire people, people hire people. And 
um, people inside organizations or people who have the decision-making authority, they can cut through all the red tape. They can create positions. Mm. You know, I've actually had clients who, I mean, not new college graduates, but I've had clients that just through networking have been able to get jobs. I had one client that, you know, he, he had a job, um, actually, interestingly, with Ernst & Young, and he, he didn't really like working in the big, you know, the big four accounting. He wanted to do something that had a little more flexibility and, right. and potential creativity to it. And um, he, was, he was doing what I was saying. He was applying to all these jobs online, getting no traction whatsoever. And I encouraged him to really start networking because people know people. You know, once people get to know you, they may see something in you. It might even be something you don't even see in yourself that is of value to them. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened with him is he met, uh, he was introduced by his father-in-law to a, um, a partner in a regional smaller accounting firm. And they just had coffee, wasn't a job interview or anything. But once the partner kind of got to know my client and like, what his specialty was in accounting, what he was interested in doing, he actually offered him a job because what he recognized was that there was a gap in their uh, accounting firm that they had a lot of very senior level partners, you know, like in their fifties and they had a lot of young associates in their twenties and they did not have a lot of people in the middle in their thirties. Yeah. And um, so they hired him and they wanted him to start, um, a practice in a specialty because they didn't actually have that. They wanted him to mentor the younger accountants. They wanted him to get involved in business development. So these were all things that he didn't have the opportunity to do at his his um, old firm. Yeah. And so, you know, it's just funny sometimes like you, when you let people get to know you, they may say, oh, wow, look, they've got something that we could use. Um but, you know, sometimes you have to you have to do something a little bit different. You know, you might have to um, like network, let yeah. people know what you're doing, maybe um, volunteer, um, maybe even like at a local museum or a food bank or something like that, because you never know who you might meet. That's true. You know, you might meet somebody who is a business owner or, uh, you know, works at a, an organization that you might be interested in. And the more uh, people that you know and more people that are looking out for you, the more likely you are to, you know, find that opportunity. Absolutely. Um, you know, one other thing, too, is um, this is fresh in my mind because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm pretty involved in my um, undergraduate uh, alumni association. Yeah. And... Um, I really wish I, I got involved in it, you know, probably like six or seven years ago. And I really wish that I had gotten involved in it a lot earlier because I met so many great people. And, it, you know, when you've got something in common with people, you can have a conversation like yeah. they could be, you know, the CEO of a company, but they may be willing to have a conversation because you have that thing in common. And also a lot of uh, universities have like the career, um, you know, development centers and that kind of stuff that, you know, they want to help their alumni be successful. So, um, but even if, even if it's uh, not going officially through the school, like look people up on, on LinkedIn, you know, that 
that went to your university and reach out and see if you can have a virtual coffee with them or an in-person coffee if you're you know in the same city and and it's safe to do that yeah what's the worst that can happen they'll say no be better off than not trying at yeah. all yeah and, you know sometimes maybe they you know you reach out to them on linkedin and they don't respond yeah i've had i've had people respond to me like two years later and they'll be like oh i just saw this yeah. <laughs> like people don't look people do not look at their linkedin a lot of people don't some people do hmm. some but a lot of people you know if they're not looking for a job or something a lot of times they're not checking their linkedin messages but um yeah the worst thing that they can do is you know ignore you or just say sorry i'm too busy right but um I That's think that the majority of people, if you approach them, I always say like when you're approaching somebody around networking, having an attitude of curiosity and gratitude is the right way to approach people, right? And it's um, it's not like, hey, are you guys hiring? That's not how you do it, right? Yeah. You want to make that person feel like you care about them as a person and that you want to have a relationship with them as a person. And, um, you know, I, I often will tell people, you know, approach somebody and say, I'm starting to think about the next chapter in my career. And, you know, your company looks really interesting or what you do for a living looks really interesting. You know, something that you're, shows you're interested in them and then ask them, you know, can I buy a cup of coffee or can I jump on a phone call with you for 20 minutes and just ask you some questions? You know, and, and the question should never be, are you guys hiring or do you have an opening or can you get me a job? Right. So like that just puts people off. But if you're like, how'd you get started? Like, what's the best thing that you like about your job? Um, what advice would you have for somebody that is interested in having a career in that area? Yeah. You know, that just shows that you value them and that you respect their perspective and their opinion. And a lot of times what will happen when you have that kind of conversation is that by the end, that person is is personally invested in you and they may say, you know what, I have somebody else that I wanna introduce you to. Or they may even say, send me your resume because I think that there's somebody in my company that might have an opening, Yeah. right? Um, and then, you know, you can also just ask them, hey, is there anybody else that you know that might be good for me to talk to? Um, you know, just keeping it kind of casual and curious, it's, I mean, you're really about it's it's really about building relationships um, and not, you know, it's really like a long term investment. Sometimes it pays off in the short term. But yeah. I mean, I've had I've had relationships that I, you know, started when I was in my 20s that have brought me business <laughs> 30 years later. I, and I wasn't planning that yeah. <laughs> when I was 22 and I was going to lunch with somebody at my first job. But um but, you know, like once you have those relationships and people, you know, know, like and trust you and then they they feel like it's safe for them to, you know, introduce you to yeah. their friends or family or to, you know, do business with you or to hire you. Yeah, it's the same with, I think, uh, having a relationship with someone where it, it, where if you try to get to know the person, they they feel yeah. comfortable sharing their information with you. And again, you'd be surprised. um who you might come across. I remember, Terry, uh, I think in 2017, um, at the end of my first semester at uni, I was on a flight back and I was going via Singapore and I boarded the flight and I sat um, sat down and right next to me, I had this couple, um, slightly older, about in their uh, late 30s or something, and uh, they were having some drinks and 
I got to start chatting with them and one of them was the owner of a consultant consultancy firm in Sydney. And so uh, we had a few drinks um, and I think he had a bit too many drinks. So he started sharing a little bit about uh, how he started the company and he was very friendly, uh, talked about his family and everything like that. Um, Although it was my first semester, I didn't quite know a lot about what I wanted to do with my career. I was still starting out. I was 18. But just the chat itself, because he he gave me his contact information, a card, and he said, Akash, if you ever come down to Sydney, reach out, connect with me. Uh, and that's what I did. And we had a chat. And I told him that, you know, like, say three years from now, once I'm about to graduate, then we can have a chat. So who would have thought that I would have come across that person? Yeah. Although um, couldn't follow up much with him, like we, we, we kind of faded away. But the idea of networking um, is, I think, overlooked many times rather than just applying online. I met met this founder of a company um, who I reached out to by cold calling and he said, Kosh, just come down and meet me for a coffee. Very casual, yeah. nothing like a formal interview. And we just had a nice chat about what my skills are, what he, he did, yeah. how he started the company. And it was good. Like even though he wasn't hiring, my attitude towards that was to, was to learn about what the company is and whether or not this is something I would be interested in. And of course, mm-hmm. we can stay in touch. But it's 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 overlooked and it can it can do wonders because thinking about it from the the company and the individual's point of view, it's much easier to hire someone from your own personal network rather than go through the process of you know totally. taking the online application, reading, uh, organizing an interview, and then the partner interview and mm-hmm. the, the the personal assessment, skills assessment, uh, cognitive theory testing, and all that. It's it can be a pain. Like I can only imagine it, what it can be a yet. pain. I mean, I was a I was a hiring manager, and if if somebody on my team came in and and uh, tendered their resignation, if it was somebody that I really liked and respected, I'd say, "Who do you know that yeah. might want your job?" Yeah. <laughs> because you know, if you've got good people or you know good smart people in your network, they know good smart smart people too. And sure. when you're hiring. Like I had a day job, I was doing my job every day. When you're hiring, that's like having another full-time job on top of your day job. Mm. And it's, you know, it's frustrating. And then a lot of times too, I mean, all the time that person was gone before I could fill the role, right? Cause you can't fill a role in two weeks. Yeah. Um, and so that meant that me and the rest of my team had to take on that additional work and then trying to hire on top of that if I could, if I could shortcut that, if some, I mean, and I, this happened more than once where somebody said, oh, well, I used to work with somebody at, you know, this other bank and, uh, she's looking for a job. And I'd be like, great, call her and ask her to send me your resume, right. Or get a resume and, and give it to me because my level of confidence, uh, you know, in somebody who someone I respected and liked had worked with my level of confidence is very high. I mean, I, I've been burnt a couple times where somebody interviewed very well and then they ended up being a really poor employee. Yeah. Right. Um, so even when, you know, you think you're doing the right thing and you're, you're being a good interviewer and all that, like sometimes people can fool you, but if someone has worked with somebody, you know, somebody I know has worked with that person for five years, they, you know, they've seen them, in all different types of situations. And so, you know, there's a higher level of confidence that they're going to be a good fit than somebody that, you know, is a stranger and that we're just, you know, taking their word or, and, and even like with references, many people are, 
are hesitant to give a bad reference. Yeah. You know, uh, like if you call a former employer, they'll be like, oh, yeah, they were good. Yeah, <laughs> you know? for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 true. My my uh, close friend of mine uh, is also looking for jobs at the moment, and uh, he gave his reference his current employer a call, and he asked him, "Could you give me a good reference?" And he said, "I'll I'll sing your praises all the way through on the call," and uh, it can really help. Again, from an employer <laughs> point of view, knowing getting some insurance from another employer about yeah. a candidate can just ease off a lot of the pressure, especially if you haven't met the person yet. Um, mm-hmm. Totally agree with you there. Another thing I want to ask you, Terry, is uh, th- this idea of um, what you focus on in your book and in your uh, coaching about balancing uh, professional success and personal happiness. I think finding a healthy balance between professional success and personal happiness can be the yeah. game changer. A lot of us struggle to find that balance, not just in the workplace, but even as students, uh, finding the balance between studies, assessments, managing a social life, and just looking after ourselves. I can only imagine it gets even more important when you're in a company where you have to deal with clients and projects, pressure, and if you have a family, then you're responsible for that, add that to the mix. We could get philosophical and then post the question, um, what does personal happiness mean and how do you know if you manage to find it? And if you do, how do you measure which factors were responsible for leading up to it? Was it the new job, a change of location, a promotion, what? You know, so many of us, yeah, so many of us change happiness, uh, chase happiness and, uh, yeah. The idea of being fulfilled, that we don't stop to ask ourselves what we need to do in order to feel that way. Like for me, well, it's, yeah. You know, I, I talk about working with high achievers who are successful but not satisfied. Yeah. And what, what I see with people that, you know, are high achievers, right, that they've, they're well-educated and they work hard and they're smart and, and they do all the right things. Um, often what, what happens over the course of their, you know, schooling and even getting into the workplace is that over time they've become, uh, addicted to external validation, Mm. right? And if you think about people who are good students or, you know, maybe they played sports or something like that, you're delaying gratification and you're, you're like awaiting a reward from somebody outside of yourself. Yeah. You know, even going back to elementary school and, you know, the teacher putting the gold star on the top of your paper, if you did a good job or you're getting the, the A on your test or whatever, we're focused on what somebody else expects of us. And not everybody even, you know, studies things in school or gets a job that is something that they like to do, right? I mean, I, I actually feel very thankful that when I first graduated from college that my uh, boyfriend's mom gave me a book called What Color Is Your Parachute? And she said, do not apply or interview for any jobs until you do, you read this book and you do all of the exercises in it. And that, I'm so thankful because this really made me realize that we're going to be happier and more fulfilled and more successful if we know ourselves and we know what we're good at and what we like to do. And we go out and find jobs that are aligned with that because smart people can adapt and learn anything, right? Like there's, and a lot of people that are high achievers are good at a lot of things. But just because you're good at something doesn't mean that you get fulfillment from it or that you like to do it. But sometimes if we've been rewarded for it, 
will be like, well, I'm going to do this because my parents expect it or my boss likes it when I do this, but we might not like it at all. And I think what's really important, and this is particularly as we like rise in our career, because maybe in the beginning, we're kind of like, oh, I just want to, you know, I just want to learn, right? I just want to, you know, get to this next level or I want to get, and that's okay, right? We're still sort of delaying gratification until we get to a certain level. Um, But if that goes on too long, you're going to find that your energy gets drained, right? Because you have to do things that you enjoy to fill your tank back up so that you have enough energy to go back and do what you need to do at work each day. And, you know, in all of those years of delaying that gratification and looking for external validation, a lot of times we lose connection with uh, what it is that really makes us happy. Yeah. And, you know, to your, to your question about like, what is personal happiness? Well, I can't answer that for anybody else. You know, I, and sometimes, frankly, it can be hard to answer it for ourselves. But what I will say is that I believe that everybody knows deep down what will make them happy. Now, one of the things that I've seen very often in coaching is that when I ask people, like, what is it that you want? You know, what would make you feel better or happier or satisfied? that they will do one of two things. They will either say, I don't know. And I say, you know, I believe they do know, but I believe that deep down inside, they've got sort of a defense mechanism that's blocking them being able to consciously recognize that because maybe it's going to mean that they have to do something like me, like quit your job. (laughs) Right. That's scary. So you're like, they don't want to say like, Oh, you want to like sell all your possessions and, you know, travel the world or you want to like go and, you know, try your hand as an artist or stand-up comedian or whatever, um, might make them happier, but it might also be a more precarious existence. So they block themselves from recognizing that. The other situation that happens, you know, this happens quite a lot too, is that people say, I know exactly what I want. And I'm going to tell you the 10 reasons why I can't have it, right? I, I really want to go back and study you know, art or get an MBA or I want to, you know, work in the tech industry, whatever it is, they know, they know what they want, but they'll say like, oh, but I don't have, you know, you have to have a programming degree to do that. Or you need to, you know, they don't hire people over 40 or whatever. People give themselves all these excuses for why they can't have it. So that's kind of an excuse for not taking action. And what I, I always tell people is, separate those two things. You know, if you can allow that thing that you want to arise and get into your consciousness, let that live, let that breathe. Like you deserve to allow your goals and your desires and your dreams to live. Separately, start thinking like, okay, if I want to make that happen, what's like one little baby step that I can take in that direction, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's, you know, as a coach, that's usually what I'm helping people do is like, first of all, get clarity on what that goal is. And, you know, part of what I do is help people, you know, break away from those defense mechanisms so that they can really be honest with themselves about what they want, even if it's scary. Yeah. Um, and then separately we, we say, okay, well, if that's what you want, what's the roadmap look like to get there? Um, and, 
it can start really small. I mean, I think one of the things that people, um, that keeps people from taking action, you know, towards their goal is that they think it's going to, that they have to like, you know, take a giant swan dive off a cliff yeah. in order to do it. It's got to be this giant leap or they have to, you know, the first day that they admit the thing they want to do, they have to quit their job. Yeah. No, that's not the case. You know, if you've got a job and even if you don't like it, but you need the income, stay with it. But separately start dreaming up what your plan looks like. You know, start reaching out to people and saying, I like what you do. It looks really interesting. Can I ask you some questions? You know, there's, we don't know what we don't know. And that's another thing that sometimes can keep people from taking action is they think that they have to have the perfect steps or they have to know exactly what they want. Mm -hmm. You don't have to, you just have to like say, what direction do I think I want to go in and start, you know, taking baby steps to check it out. You might, you might like, you know, check something out and realize, no, I I thought I wanted to do that. But now that I find out what the day to day is like, that's not what I want to do. Yeah. But you know, sometimes figuring out what you don't want to do is, is a right step towards what you do want to do. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, it's, it's it's something that comes with exploration. I would guess I would say Terry, you know, yeah. uh, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't work, and then deciding it. Um, yeah. Graduates, I think, might take a bit 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 of time to see that through, and yeah. uh, with experience, you learn about that. Speaking of graduates, I want to ask you, um, what have you noticed about you know younger individuals and gen z's when they enter the workspace you know i know mm-hmm. i know many of us talk about our communication teamwork problem solving skills mm-hmm. during the initial interview stage but how does that add up when the time comes based on what you've seen what would you say motivates younger graduates to come to work do well and stay firm in a company well i mean i I think it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier is that I think there's a lot more transparency now, like both in what you can learn by going online, because it didn't used to be that, um, you know, you could learn as much as easily. You didn't have the internet. I mean, back when I graduated from college in the eighties, you know, there was no internet, (laughs) you know, you actually bought a newspaper to find the, you know, jobs that you wanted to apply to. But, um, I think that the, that transparency, I think um, being able to learn things on their own, mm-hmm. you know, this is another thing that it used to be that you needed um, advocacy or mentorship from people higher in an organization to teach you things. Now people can go to the internet, like they can take courses online, they can look at YouTube videos, they you know, they can learn things on their own. So there's a lot more self-advocacy. And I do think that what can happen, and I've seen this happen definitely in the, in the workplace is in a particular, I mean, I worked at a bank, right? So it's a little bit conservative, but you know, like these younger people would come in and they would have expectations that they would be able to move up really rapidly Mm -hmm. in the organization. And then sometimes too, they would, you know, compare themselves to friends that worked at other places. And there, there also was uh, a lot of, you know, uh, this is another thing when I was first um, coming out of school and actually for most of my career, people don't talk about, you know, being the older generation, they don't talk about how much money they make, Yeah. but younger people do. They'll say, oh, how much do you make? Oh, this is how much I make. And I had, 
I had, you know, one person that came and said, oh, well, my friend that works at, you know, Salesforce makes this much. And I think I should be able to make that much too. Right. And I was like, well, you don't work at Salesforce. <laughs> right. Um, but I, I think that, uh, that transparency is, is different. And also that desire to grow as quickly as they're able to. And that can be, that can be a big sticking point depending on how quickly your company is growing. And, um, you know, I, I had one person that reported to me and she was very smart and really ambitious, mm -hmm. but we did not have, you know, an appropriate opportunity for her to grow within the organization. And, you know, she was coming to me and saying, well, I, I feel like I'm ready to make, you know, the next step. And I said, you know, you might need to leave the organization to get, to get that next opportunity, right? Sometimes you have to, you have to leave. Yeah. And she did. And I mean, it's funny because, um, she worked in New York and, uh, she now, um, is an ex expat in, um, London, mm -hmm. right? She, she went to another organization and had some amazing opportunities to actually fill in for somebody's maternity leave in London. And she actually got, um, EU citizenship because one of her grandparents was from Ireland. Okay. So it's, you know, it's just funny how one sometimes thing. you got to take those risks and, you know, maybe your, your, uh, ambitions are not going to be fulfilled at, you know, the first place that you go to work, but that's okay. Mm. One thing might lead to another. Yeah. I yeah, agree with you. Exactly. So many um, people like our age, which is why I like, I kind of want, wanted to start this podcast is there's an app for everything. There's a site for everything. The, there are so many industries now that have branched out into so many different sub mm -hmm. subsets and industries that people are, are now starting to, you know, realize what their true passions are and what they, what they want to do. And they, they choose mm -hmm. to adopt it and embrace it. And I think, uh, families as well are starting to become lesser and lesser conservative in terms of the, you know, the, the age old uh, profession, like you should become a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, people are, yeah beginning to accept that there is a career with becoming a youtuber for example or a musician or yeah. a career coach or anything like that uh and i think that eases off a lot of the pressure for younger individuals even mm -hmm. them even the ones who wish to follow the path of say working for a company yeah the, the drive to make a difference um early on to make more money than their than their colleagues might stay but then over time you know they realize that there's a lot more that comes with it yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I have, uh, I have a almost twenty-four-year-old and a twenty-two-year-old, and then a seventeen-year-old. And my twenty-two-year-old was, um, he's finished two years of college, and he's he is a musician, he's a filmmaker, he's very artistic, mm -hmm. and um, you know, he recently said, I don't, I don't know if I want to keep going to university. Yeah. Um, and so actually, he's going to do a coding boot camp. Oh, nice. Right. And so, yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, he, he took a coding class in, in college and he really liked it. And I think as a creative person, I think that he likes the creativity, you know, like that when you're doing coding, it's about like, okay, we need to, we need to have this outcome. And there's many different ways that people can choose to, you know, get there. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and I think he really likes that. So, I mean, I've had to sort of evolve my thinking because my oldest son graduated from college, but you know, my second son, he's going to have probably a different path and, and that's okay. Right. Like the world is changing. And you know, what I've heard is that, you know, developers are very much in demand and yeah. 
he could have a very, very good career without having to finish university. You know, he can do, he can go a different path and that's fine. Um, and, and I think, I think what he's thinking too, is that he really likes being a musician and being in his band and that if he can get a, a flexible job that he can make a decent living at, that he can focus his energy on his creative pursuits, you know, which is fine, right? It's his life. I'm happy yeah. for him. I agree with you. But you know, the only thing, Terry, that might affect that is the likelihood of employers, uh, their perception towards uh, candidates with or without a degree. I had a mm-hmm. podcast last year with uh, with someone from Melbourne and we were talking about the purpose of university. It's one of my favorite episodes mm-hmm. where we yeah. just spoke about, you know, how when we're in high school, uh, before we even finish our high school exams, um, the teachers and our parents, they tell us that once you finish high school, the next step is to go to university. Why? Mm-hmm. If you don't go to university, you won't get a degree, you won't get a job. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we come to university, we get the degree and then we see that there's a lot more that we need to get a job rather than get a degree because the one thing common mm-hmm. between all the applicants in most cases is that they all have a degree. Um, yeah. And then we start to question that, you know, I was told that getting a degree would help me get a job, but that's not really the case. And so uh, what I re- really hope is that companies start to go look beyond just the degree because mm-hmm. l- like you, I, I agree with the fact that, that some skills you learn outside of the classroom and can be more valuable than reading like a a journal or a research essay for university. Yeah, that has its yeah. place. I, yeah, but even then. I think that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I totally understand, right? Like, mm-hmm. I think you know, it's like getting your ticket punched, right? You get the university, <laughs> you know, you get the university degree, and people are like, okay, you know, you've been through the gauntlet, you've got persistence, you've been exposed to a lot of things, you've, you know, it 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 proves something right that um but i also think that with uh coding that i mean i've i've read up on this and i think that a lot of university degrees in computer science and so forth are actually not as rigorous or as focused on the skills needed for good developers as what the boot camps are um and also i actually was just talking to one of my former clients yesterday who works for a digital agency and he was saying that um they are always looking for developers like the the skill set is such in demand that i don't think that you know if they're looking at a project that the person has done and they're like kind of digging into it and they're seeing that the coding is good and the outcome looks good and everything like that that I think that they're willing to say like, okay, they've got the skills that we need and we don't care if they took English or calculus or, (laughs) you know, some of these other um, courses that are not relevant to, you know, building a website or building an app or whatever. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Uh, I think we can wrap up the episode here, Terry. Uh, thank you so much once again for joining me on this podcast. It was um, it was incredible having you share your story, all the insights about the corporate world with so much information on the internet. It's really good to have someone share some hands-on experience on what goes yeah. on behind the scenes for young yeah. individuals. So thank you. Thank you for joining me. Yeah, you're welcome. Hey, can I just have like one little shout out encouragement to your yes. to your uh, listeners um you know we were we were kind of talking about like the internet yeah i mean this generation is so technology savvy yeah i want to like reinforce something that i said 
towards the beginning, which is that people hire people. And so, you know, we can do a lot of research and we can, you know, learn a lot on the internet and everything, but build out that network, get to know people because that's really where you're going to get the um, assistance with getting that next job and learning the things that you need to learn in order to get your foot in the door and, and start that career. Yeah, definitely. Definitely hope. I'll definitely try to network more often. Hopefully some of our listeners will do the same. Um, cool. So I'm going to be linking uh, Terry's website and podcast link in the show notes below. Do check out her podcast, The Marketing Mambo, for some more content on marketing and the business world. You can find the full version of the corresponding blog for this episode below, which is available at www.themodernz.com. The Modern Z's social media handles will also be linked, so a like and a follow would be greatly appreciated. As always, feel free to share some of your own thoughts and comments. Just don't be rude about it. And if you're interested in joining me for a podcast or to write something that you're passionate about that you'd like me to feature on the Modern Z's Medium page, shoot me an email with your idea at info at and we can have a chat. Thank you for listening. Until the next one.